Welcome to Savvy Business, Life Unscripted with your host, Christina Rivera, where our guests share their wisdom and valuable business tips, empowering our audience to expand their personal potential. Hi, Jennifer Thornton. Welcome to Savvy Broadcasting, Life Unscripted. We're so grateful to have you here today. We're going to talk about a super fascinating topic, addicted to being right, the seven deadly sins of leadership no one's talking about and how to fix them with conversational intelligence. I know nothing about that, but you're going to fill our audience in on all of that. For one, just get started a little bit with your backstory and how you came to working as a coach. Yeah, so my backstory, I grew up in the retail industry and I spent the first half of it in operations and the second half in HR, both both domestically and internationally. So I have a really different approach because I look at the human resource part as the ability to achieve your goals and the ability to think about how do you deploy people to make sure your business goals come true. Ah, interesting. Now, where did the conversational intelligence come from? Did you create that? I did not. Um, A woman named Judith Glasher, incredibly intelligent woman, she spent over 40 years studying the neuroscience of the mind and how it um, responded to conversations in the workplace. And then how did that influence business results? And I had the most wonderful opportunity to study underneath her and really start to carry on the legacy of her work. Wow, that's fascinating. And so our topic today, addicted to being right, which is interesting. I told you before the interview that I had worked with a mentor when I first started my business. And one of the things I had to get over was the addiction to being right, because she kept saying to me, okay, how many times are you going to tell me you can't change things and that they're just the way they are? But like, but no, you don't understand. I have no money in my bank account. No, you don't understand. Um, And it's that, that kind of idea that, no, I can't be wrong. There's reasons I'm stuck in wherever I'm stuck. How does that come across and what has your, been your experiences through understanding the addiction of being right? Right. So what happens is when we are right, we get a dopamine hit and that feels good and we love that. And who doesn't want a little feel good juice in your mind, right? So what happens is, you know, if we are addicted to sugar or a substance and we, you know, um, get that dopamine hit, we know we need more and more of it to get that same high being addicted to right is the same thing. So if I am right on this project and I get to where I'm addicted to being right and the next one I have to become more right and then over time what happens is people stop listening to the truth Mm -hmm. or the facts because that might take away their ability to be right. And if I'm listening to other people's opinions and I'm going with how someone else views things, then I'm no longer right and I'm no longer getting my dopamine hit. And it can be incredible incredibly dangerous in the workplace when we have leaders who are chasing that addiction. Interesting. You know, I had heard someone mention the addiction to social media, kind of like, you know, you need to look at your phone a million times because I want to see how many follows, how many likes, how many hearts. And it it actually physically gives you this dopamine hit when you see those follows, likes, hearts, all those good things. And it's amazing how our mind works that way that either the addiction of being right or sugar, or in, in some cases with social media, the likes, follows and hearts. 
Yeah, it's all the same. And if you kind of took away um, the knowledge of what the substance is and you looked at the brain responding, if it was social media or sugar or alcohol, the brain physically responds the exact same way. And it's important for us to know that because we can kind of understand addiction, but we're not um, recognizing that our addiction could be social media or being right also. Mm-hmm. So if you begin to realize, okay, I am addicted to being right, how do you begin to approach that? Say, maybe you're a leader, maybe you're not, but you begin to approach it from a place where, okay, I'm going to look at this and begin to change this outcome. How do you do that? So one of the things, if I'm working with someone and I um, hear things around, you know, I, I make all the decisions um, in my company, no one else can make decisions like me. Then I'm like, all right, let's think about that. <laughs> or if I'm working with someone and they're very judgmental towards how other people are doing their job, even if it's a job they don't know how to do, then I'm like, all right, let's think about that. And so there's some signs we have to start to watch for. If you are going home at the end of the day and you cannot say, I got curious, I learned something new, I saw something in a different perspective, then you are addicted to your own views and you're not open to others. So the first thing to know is, are, are, do we have this addiction? We got to figure that out. Wow. So it seems to me, one of the keys to breaking this addiction is bringing curiosity to the front forefront and beginning to look at where are my views stuck in one place where I maybe need to broaden them. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll also see things like if you've ever, you know, led a team and you walked in the room and you're struggling as an organization to sell a product and you walk in the room and you're like, tell me now why this isn't working. And no one says a word and they just look at you. They're waiting for you to tell them what they are supposed to think. And that means you've not been opening up that space for conversations. Oh man, I love this topic. I totally love it because more and more in the job force or maybe in life, people are getting, well, I think a lot less curious and kind of wanting to stay in their teeny holding. No, 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 this is comfortable. I don't want to think outside my teeny hole. Let's just stay here. And actually, I think it's less good for your organization, your business, and for your life if you're not allowing yourself to broaden, open up, and and, and maybe be curious about other points of view and, and also seeing the world and your job differently. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And what happens um, is sometimes our mind doesn't want to get curious because then it um, it creates fear. So if I am wondering if I know what I'm doing and maybe I'm in fear of my job, I might not be good enough or I might be in trouble with my boss, then you start to kind of shut down and not get curious because then the truth may be difficult. And so it's actually a way that your mind is chemically made to protect you. It's keeping you in the cave. You know, back in the day when we all stayed in the cave because it was safe because there was big scary animals out there. <laughs> Same thing today in the workplace. We get our brain gets frightened by rejection and judgment and not being part of the tribe. All of those same mechanisms that kept us alive back in the cave tries to figure out how to manage it in today's society. Wow. And so let's bring this all the way to conversational intelligence. How does that work? What is that and how does that how can you use that to kind of build your addiction or get away from your addiction to um, being right. Yeah. So the conversational intelligence method helps us understand how our language either creates fear and allows or, and creates someone to move towards their primitive brain 
or how does our language create trust and we actually move someone to be leveraging their prefrontal cortex because when we're leveraging our prefrontal cortex we're creative we're collaborative we're open to new ideas it's where learning happens and as soon as our primitive brain kicks in it shuts down the prefrontal cortex you're shutting down learning and new ideas everything you need when you scream at your team and says i want the answers that creates fear and you're not going to get it. So with conversation intelligence, what we help people understand, number one, is how does the brain work with language so that you can start to adapt your language? And, you know, how do you tell the truth and how do you give hard feedback? This isn't about shying away from honesty. This is about changing how we tell people the facts or how we provide feedback or how we um, bring up difficult conversations. And it's all about that language change that we move someone from their primitive brain to their prefrontal cortex. I love this topic, Jennifer, because I've found in the past, either with myself talking to maybe a vendor I hired or when I managed a team, you, you know, you love your, your coworkers, the people you work under, under you, but you, you don't want to hurt their feelings. So like, how do you get them to understand, okay, you're doing awesome except for this point. Uh, and you don't want to hurt their feelings, but you want them to get better. And so I love this idea of how do you come together, get curious, but not make it like I'm going to accuse you, but I'm going to help you work through it and actually bring you to your fullest potential, which I had a boss once who did that. He once brought me in and said, here's where you're failing, but I see you as a diamond in the rough, but you need to change the way you present yourself. Because at that time I worked in corporate America in accounting and I used to wear glitter eye makeup and like funky hair like I do. And he said, if you want to move up in this particular company, you have to change the way you present yourself because people will not take you seriously as a manager. Um, so I actually walked out of that meeting crying. Now he was so gentle, but it was really about the, you know, taking apart my, my fragile idea of myself and realizing it wasn't working. And then I decided if I wanted to work in this particular environment, I had to change the way I was. So I actually went that night, got a couple suits at Macy's, got a briefcase and came in the next day <laughs> without glitter makeup and immediately transformed myself, got a manager position like less than a year later. Um, but it was amazing transformation, just um, presenting and beginning to see myself differently. Yeah. And if you have to give um, difficult news, you know, going in and saying, you know, I want to, you know, and asking questions, you know, do you have aspirations for the next level? Yes. Mm -hmm. Are you open to me helping you guide there? Yes. Are you open for me being very honest of where you're doing well and honest where you need to grow? Yes. And so what you're doing is you're opening up this partnership. Mm -hmm. And then you can start to say, here are the, the areas in which you are great and I'm going to help you become greater. Here are the areas that we've got to get to a passing grade. And here's how we're going to do that. And helping, and then that's celebrating what they're great at. And it's because none of us are going to be perfect in all of our job functions. So there's a amount that we have to get to passing and then be incredibly amazing at what we're good at. Well, I like what you brought there is you brought the the power of yes here where you're opening up like, okay, how do I partner with you? You're not making it like, oh, I'm, I'm the big, I'm the boss that's going to show you how you can be a better person. You're saying, hey, I'd like to partner with you, partnership. Uh, would you like to work with me in helping you get to the next level? And then you ask those varying questions that, you know, open up to the partnership. 
Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I really, um, I see happen in the workplace is if you're the boss and someone comes to you and they have an idea and you're like, I don't know where this came from. I don't agree with it, but they seem really passionate about it. So use that as a clue that there's something important you need to hear. And so say to them, Hey, I don't see it, but I'm willing to change my mind, change my mind. Mm. And that you're not giving up your point, but you're willing to listen. And that allows that person to know that no matter if it's right or wrong, you're willing to hear it. And over time, it builds this confidence in your team's ability to come and be honest with you. Wow. And let's say they did come with an idea and you said, change my mind. But for whatever reason, in that particular organization, that wouldn't work. It allows you to maybe come up with an alternative that works for both of you and the organization. And then they were partnership in creating that. Absolutely. Because if you said, nope, that will never work here which would have been easy to do, they would have gone back to their desk, been deflated, deflated. And the next time they had a great idea, it might be something you needed to hear, but their chances of bringing it to you is pretty slim because of how you deflated them the first time. Mm. So what I'm also gathering from what you're telling me here, by opening up the partnership, it also allows the person hearing whatever criticism wins and not wins. It allows you more openly to hear those maybe criticisms that aren't comfortable because you realize this person isn't here to knock you down. They're actually here to say, let's help you get better at the areas that you're weak in. Yeah, absolutely. And when you know that you're growing at work and everyone around you is growing and the language has created a growth mentality, then the great byproduct of that is people are willing to take more risk. And we know great ideas and great movement come from risk. And the opposite of risk is failure. And if you get in trouble for failure, you will stop taking risk because again, it's dangerous. You don't want to get out of that cave. But if you're celebrated for risky ideas then you will open up to even more. And that is how you start to move teams and companies and ideas forward. I, I, this is so fascinating. I, I recall a couple of companies where I've had maybe great bosses that let you run to grow your potential and your skills and your talents. And those are teams and departments where actually I've grown as a person and so has the company. And so I love this idea of partnership and everyone coming on board to actually help grow everyone's full potential. Now, if you are a leader and you're not sure, am I building my team up to their full potential? Maybe I'm not living to my full potential. How does the leader begin to self-examine? Oh, such a great question. You know, again, you know, start to journal um, at the end of the day, make a list of what you learned new, start to watch the body language of people around you. Are they, when you walk in, do their, does their, their space shrink or does it open up because they're excited to see you because our body will respond. And when you physically get within 10 feet of something, your memory neurons will release chemicals. So if I have a boss that I am frightened of, when I see him or her with Within 10 feet, my brain starts releasing the uh-oh chemicals like, this is bad, be careful, don't say the wrong thing, make sure you look busy. But if I see my boss and I know every time we talk, we have this incredible relationship and I get to have my ideas, then the chemicals being released when that 10 feet happen is, this is great. My boss is here. I need to tell them this. I had this great idea. This customer told me this and I want to share it. Mm -hmm. And so when we walk into a room, we're instantly causing chemicals to release in everyone's minds Mm -hmm. because of how we have treated them in our history. Wow. That is so impactful. Many years ago, I recall going into a place where um, my ex-boss, that was the one that convinced me to start my own biz. 
he was working in an organization. He said, come on down. I'd like to hire you. It's a great place. I walked in that place. Here's the interesting thing. I walked in that place. Everyone was wearing sweats at their desk. They looked like they had invisible shackles tied to the to desk and they looked so miserable. And I just walked in there and said, nope. And it was interesting because just a few moments of the energy of all the workers in the place, I knew this was not a positive space to work in. And so you're right. It's actually, you know, you don't even need to actually talk to them. You just need to feel their presence, walk in there and be like, nah, I'm out of here. Yeah, and it's true. And it's because your your brain senses something. And again, our brain's only job, it only has one job, and that is to keep us alive. <laughs> and it was like, uh-oh this is dangerous. And so your brain was like, this isn't, don't do this. Like it doesn't feel good. And so your brain was giving you a gift of protection. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that intuition that we often negate. And I've heard it even from people who said they've been uh, criminalized, had a um, crime happen to them. They'll often say they felt kind of weird beforehand and maybe a certain situation or place and they kind of, ah, it's nothing. And, and sometimes if you, if you listen to the intuition or oftentimes you'll get very positive information that could help you in your job and your life and, and keeping you safe. Yeah. Your brain actually scans for threat every seven seconds unconsciously. And so sometimes when people say, oh, you know, I just had this feeling, it was your brain scanning your environment every seven seconds. Because again, its only job is to keep you alive. And so it has to work really hard to do that. And it doesn't always recognize the difference. And so a snake, uh (laughs) uh-oh, and a mean you know, tyrant boss, uh uh-oh, your brain is responding to that fear and threat the same way. Mm. Um, You know, it doesn't have different chemicals for, you know, 50 different things that could go wrong in our life. It's the same chemical, that cortisol that kicks off every time, that adrenaline. Well, this has been so fascinating. I think we could go on for several hours on this topic. It's just so fascinating. But I want them to find out more about you, how they can work with you and hear more about this. How can they do that? So you can find uh, myself and the team at 304 Coaching, and I'd love to connect with your listeners if they have any questions or just continue the conversation, and you can find me at LinkedIn at Jen Thornton ACC. Well, Jen Thornton, I just have to thank you again for your great wisdom and your sharing today. Thank you for coming to Savvy Broadcasting. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. You betcha. Thank you. If you like this episode, please share. To hear more savvy episodes and savvy biz tips, go to lifeunscriptedradio.com. To become a guest or participate in paid sponsorship, email us at christinalifeunscriptedradio.com.